I want to start this week with story time. Oh, we, okay. We recently played a three-man brawl game. Um, I was playing... Uh, who was I? Darn it. I was playing Sahili. Uh, Sam was playing Tezzeret. And our friend was playing Maldrotha. You were definitely and playing Shalai, not Sahili. Thank you. That's what I meant. <laughs> Very similar letters in those names. So yeah, I was playing Shalai, who is the flyer that puts counters on everything and gives your creatures hexproof. Yeah. But we quickly discovered in this match, this three-player match, that Maldrotha is probably one of the more broken of the brawls, wouldn't you say? Yeah, no, it's it's really busted. The main one I think one of the main reasons was um we we were playing it and uh uh the main thing is he got down Vraska, Relic Seeker, um, and she literally just essentially reads, blow up one or two artifacts, enchantments, or creatures every turn, um, because you can. she has six starting loyalty, you can minus three to destroy an artifact, creature, or enchantment, and then put a, you get a treasure, um, and then essentially you play her, you minus three her, Next turn, you minus three her, she dies, you recast her because Muldrotha lets you recast a Planeswalker every turn, um, and then you minus three her again, and you can blow up two things that way. And the treasure means that you don't even have to worry about essentially like running out of mana because you just have extra mana on top of it. So, And I think the biggest thing that I hate about that is how perfectly it works because normally like strong Planeswalkers, their minuses don't get them into the range where they can then use it to kill themselves. Right. So, like, you have Elspeth from Theros. She starts with four. Her minus three is basically a board wipe for big creatures. But then she's at one. She can't do it again. Right. Whereas Vraska comes down, and you can minus her three two turns in a row uh, to get her to exactly zero, which will kill her, which makes her really good for recurring in that specific deck. And there's also a bunch of other just gross things that Maldrotha can do, like sacking Traveler's Amulet to draw land every turn, the land you need. Right. Um, yeah. Can you think of anything else? Uh, thrashing Brontodon, um, being oh. able to reuse that also to destroy artifacts and enchantments. Mostly it's because it's very uh, EDH as opposed to Brawl to be able to like infinitely recur artifact and enchantment removal. Um, and it doesn't feel very good because a lot of, at least a lot of my brawl decks are based on artifacts and enchantments, and so are a lot of my EDH decks. To be fair, so like, yeah, so it, it doesn't it doesn't feel good to see that mostly because there aren't a lot of ways of getting rid of something forever, and even if there are, there aren't a lot of like, there there aren't a lot of ways of re getting rid of something forever. If that makes sense, so yeah, and I think the thing that I like discovered from playing it, I think. There's some level of graveyard hate might be main boardable yeah. in because uh, there's also like some of the other decks we play also recur things from the graveyard in some manner. Like my wizard's deck can get some instants and sorceries back from the graveyard. So there is some uh, merit to maybe main boarding like scavenger grounds or some sort of yeah. easy to slot in graveyard removal. Yeah, that's I mean, I did that with um, the first two decks I made. Both had uh, scavenger grounds, but yeah. So I mean, it's it's fine. It's um, I don't know. I, I was looking Crook of Condemnation, uh, Totem Sentinel, or Sentinel Totem, um, the Silent Gravestone. Like there are a couple pieces. The problem is that none of them are especially good for like any real purpose besides hating on graveyard decks. 
and like you're not going to always against be against a graveyard deck so i don't know let's talk about more brawl stuff <laughs> so i think the big recent news in the past week was the article that was it gavin released yes. yeah um titled the future of brawl yeah and in it he outlined a wizard's i guess idea for brawl where they want to see it going and then they also i think the big thing is that we're interested in were the rule changes that released with this article and some of them are pretty important so we can just go over those quickly if you want to yeah sure so um the first and foremost the ban list got updated um kind of piggybacking off of what we talked about last week and what everyone who was even tried brawl a little bit has been talking about brawl um has finally been banned brawl chief of compliance he makes your spells cheaper and allows you to loot once you counter things um he's been banned because he's just too gosh darn format breaking um and uh in addition they've also divorced it from the standard ban list um and so the only card that remains on the ban list from the standard ban list is the looter scooter the smuggler's copter um but we've also added the sorcerer's spyglass just because it shuts down so many it essentially shuts down any deck at two mana at in a colorless card so they thought it was too much hate for the format so that's the three cards we have right now on the ban list are uh uh Sorry, Sorcerer Spyglass, uh, Baral, Chief of Compliance, and uh, the uh, uh, Looter Scooter. Um, what, the nice thing is that means all the other standard cards that were banned are now unbanned. So the couple of energy cards, the Ramen app stuff, um, all of that is unbanned. So that's a nice, nice change for the format. And I think the next big change it deals with colorless commanders. So I think right now we have a few Hope of Gear per... Traxos and Karn, yeah. and now you'll be able to play those commanders because the new rule states when you have a colorless commander, you can play any number of a single type of basic land. So you have to choose between plains, forests, mountains, swaps, and islands, but you get to use one of them to produce mana in your colorless decks now, which I think was a pretty nifty uh, fix. And I think I saw some analysis, and I think the Worst one to do, considering the cards in standard, would be Forest, because there's one card that cares about Forest, like Nissa's Defeat. So if you were to run a colorless deck, I think the most suboptimal color you could choose for your um, lands would be Forest. But I don't think I think that's very. <laughs> I don't think people are going to be running that not even really sideboardable card for standard in brawl deck. So I don't think you have to worry about that. You, so you can just pick your favorite art of a land probably and run with that. Yeah, I mean. That, yeah, you already covered it, but like essentially, that's the thing is right now in standard, there's just not much any there, there's not really anything that cares too much about basic land types, so it's not really um, a big problem at the moment. Um, but the last change is the one v one life total. So instead of the the only change between um, the multiplayer format of brawl and the one v one v one. Uh, brawl format is going to be the life total in multiplayer it's staying at 30 life and in 1v1 it's dropping to 20 life mostly to um one counteract the kind of control meta that was happening mostly like brawl was kind of also pushing that but uh it, it essentially gives aggro decks more of a chance in the 1v1 format to actually make an impact um and so far all i've heard is that it is actually making a big difference and that aggro decks are actually doing a lot better so all all for the plus on that one so 
I think now we can say this is the All Out Brawl podcast. I am Chris. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I might move that to the front, actually, because we spent a lot of time on that. But yeah, I'm well, Sam. Well, I, I like the open and then this, though, right? Yeah, we'll see. Anyway, I'm Sam. The open was seven yeah. minutes long when it should have been five. And I'm Chris, and this is All Out Brawl. <laughs> and I think today, nice transition from an aggro discussion into talking about one of my favorite decks today we're going to be talking about two decks we have currently built and we're currently playing and we're really excited to talk about so i'm going to talk about my tiana deck um so tiana ships caretaker she is the uh five drop angel artificer with flying first strike three three and she has the important text of whenever an aura or equipment you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield you may return that card to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step. So the whole point of this deck is kind of a red-white Voltron strategy. It's really the archetype that's in Limited right now, um, in Dominar Limited, where you know you have the red and white enchantments and um, equipments that you essentially can just stack onto a creature and then swing for a lot. Um, so uh, this deck, like I was saying, is kind of an expansion of that. It also pulls in a lot of the Kaladesh artifacts, a lot of the equipment there. Um, and so let me just kind of get into some of the pieces here. So, um, the first thing was, uh, the legendary creatures that are in the deck. Um, so I'm running both Danatha and Valduk, um, which I think are kind of the two staples of the, uh, of the, um, what do I want to say the archetype because Danatha makes your auras and equip or your auras and equipment cheaper, and Valduk gives you the three ones for each one that's attached to him. Um, I'm also running Quende, um, mostly because he gives my commander double strike for free, which is nice. But a lot of the uh, a lot of the creatures that I'm running have either first strike or double strike, or I have equipment or enchantment that give them that, so um, it's nice. And then I also am running Squee for the. Re- <laughs> for the reuse value, um, Baird for the prison effect, and then the most important one probably is Shram, Senior Edificer. Um, so just kind of to like talk about this a little bit, the one of the big problems, of course, being a red-white deck is that it has a lot of problems with card draw and ramp. Um, and the nice thing that Shram gets right around that because he lets you draw cards for every aura and equipment you play. Um, so yeah, that's so that, those are just kind of the important legendary pieces of the deck. Um, the equipments and auras, um, of course, I'm running the things like Black Blade, um, Strider Harness, On Sarah's Wings. Um, but there were a couple pieces that I thought were really fun for Tiana specifically. There's Overwhelming Splendor, which is the 8-drop curse from Hour of Devastation at Mythic um, that you enchant a player and it humilities them. So all of their creatures lose all abilities and have base power and toughness 1-1. One, one, and they can't activate abilities that aren't mana abilities or loyalty abilities. Um, and the fun thing is that with Tiana... Um, especially for multiplayer, you can essentially nerf one of your opponents, and then once they die, if Tiana's on the field, that permanent goes to the graveyard because there's nothing left for it to an enchant, and then she returns it to your hand, so you can just dump it on another player. Um, so kind of along that same line, I also found Compulsory Rest is a great add to this deck. Um, it's the two-drop pacifism, um, but it also has Enchanted Creature has two, sacrifice this creature, you gain two life. So the nice thing about this is that if an opponent kind of like if they if they have some kind of like recursion or something they sack they can they have the option to sack their creature maybe sometimes even they need the life but if you have tiana you just get compulsory rest right back so you can just dump it on another creature which is a fun um, interaction there 
And then the last one um, for this I want to talk about is Inventor's Goggles. Um, and the main reason is just because from Kaladesh, there was an Artificer Matters theme. Um, and Inventor's Goggles are the equipment that give plus one plus two. But they have the nice, whenever an Artificer enters the battlefield, you can attach Inventor's Goggles to that Artificer for free. Um, and Tiana is an Artificer. So um, I like that kind of uh, synergy that there is there just because you get a free one when you cast her. Um then, um, of course, there are some staple things. There's two enchantments at common right now in red um, that are in standard that uh, have that give an en- enchanted creature plus two plus one in menace. Um, there's a couple that give first strike. There's some more just good equipment. Um, but the the other kind of pieces here. Um, so I'm running a couple pieces of what I think are probably best described as like brawl staples so forsake the worldly the three mana exile target artifact or enchantment and it has cycling too um especially with we were talking about like the graveyard recursion decks like it's just important to be able to exile things honestly at the end of the day um and then a couple board wipes so sweltering suns the three mana sorcery in red from amonkhet that deals three damage to each creature and you can also cycle it um the main reason i picked this one for this deck one is that red doesn't like red has a couple mass burn effects um but the nice one with this one is that a lot of your creatures will be uh bigger than three toughness due to the equipment or the enchantments that are on them so um sweltering suns will usually be more one-sided and help you kind of nuke token strategies as opposed to killing the entire board um but they it also i also have hour of revelation the white uh sorcery from hour that costs less if there are 10 or more non-land permanents multiplayer of course they're going to be but it destroys all non-land permanents um and i originally was running fumigate but the nice thing with our revelation so fumigate is also a really good board wipe for this format but the problem is that tiana's ability only triggers if your if she sees the um enchantments and artifacts go to the graveyard um it doesn't trigger for say if you run fumigate and say tiana's suited up with a ton of stuff um, if she has enchantments on her, if you fumigate, she doesn't see them go to the graveyard because she goes to the graveyard first, and then they go to the graveyard as a state-based action after that because they have nothing to enchant. Without Revelation, you actually blow up everything at the same time. So Tiana leaves the battlefield at the same time as those artifacts and enchantments do, so they all come back to your hand, which is really nice. That's a cool interaction I didn't really think of. So it works well with your deck, right? Yeah, yeah. No, um... Yeah, like I was saying, I originally ran Fumigate and then realized that it wasn't doing what I wanted it to do. Um, so I like this a lot better. Is there anything else with that sort of interaction in your deck? Um, well, so I did pick out a couple other cards that are just kind of like good in the deck. So there's um, a couple cards from the Kaladesh block. There's Reckless Fireweaver, which is the two drop one three. It's an artificer, and it has whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, it deals one damage to each opponent. Turns out it's really good when you're running a lot of equipment. Um, I've seen it in some like Joyrid lists, which is makes a lot of sense because she's the like eggs build essentially, but um, it works here too because it deals damage to each opponent. Um, another one is Restoration Specialist. It's from Ether Revolt. Um, it's a two mana, two one that you can sacrifice for one mana to return up to one artifact card and up to one enchantment card from your graveyard to your hand, which is really great for anything that gets blown up that you didn't get to save with Tiana. Um, and then the other one from that block is Quicksmith Rebel, which is an artificer that's a four drop three two that when it comes into play, target artifact you control gains tap. This artifact deals two damage to any target for as long as you control uh 
the rebel, which is really cool because it essentially means your equipment, which don't tap when they're equipped to anything, um, can turn into a shock machine, which is pretty cool as well. Um, yeah, so that's like the main kind of pieces. There's some other stuff in there too. Um, I added Rampaging Frost Dons when they came unbanned, things like that. But in general, you know, you have a couple like smaller creatures with some keyword abilities, so that way you can suit them up and then swing them at people. Um, and like I was saying, so it's red white. So obviously the big pieces of weak the or big weaknesses here are going to be ramp card draw and Volt- the fact that it's a Voltron deck. Um, so in terms of like ramp and card draw, like I was saying, Shram really helps. Um, I've got Traveler's Amulet um, and I've got Prying Blade, but past that I don't really have a lot. So that's usually where this deck falters a lot is that it runs into either not having the right color of mana or just not having enough mana. Um, but uh, unfortunately, that's just a kind of feature of red and white. Um, and then uh, the Voltron aspect is really problematic for sometimes when it's like, especially for multiplayer, um, and anyone who's played a, a Voltron deck for Commander knows this, but unfortunately, it's really hard to kill three people at once, especially when you have one creature that is the one that is suited up. Um, so that's a little problematic, but it is still, I, I still have a lot of fun playing it, and I'm not too upset about the fact that, like, it's unlikely that I'll win just because I have, like, one or two big creatures, and it's easy to remove them, and it's easy to um, stop them. But in some cases, um, you just can't, and that's it feels good. Those times feel good. So... That's the deck that I wanted to bring was just this Tiana deck. Um, and of course, I, I can we'll put the full list online so that way you can look at all the other stuff that's in there, get some more details. Um, but uh, that's that's the one I wanted to bring. So I think I think you brought up a good point with you're talking about ramp, right? Yeah. So what do you think is like the sweet spot in regards to number of lands versus mana rocks in a brawl deck in like a singleton sixty card deck? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Um, I think it depends on the deck, but in general, um, I originally, when I started making Brawl decks, I was running like between 20 and 24 lands. Um, And recently I've discovered that I need to push it up a little bit more. So I'm running more between like 22 and 28 lands. Um, 20, it's a little high, but there are some decks where you have a really high curve or you really need lands for some reason. Um, but yeah, so I think the sweet spot is probably around 25 ish lands. And if you're in colors like green or blue, you can probably push that down a little bit because there are more ways to draw cards at cheaper mana. Um, but in general, I mean, and I guess the other problem is the mana rocks. There's not a lot of, there's not like a, a big expansive number of them that like, there's not the signets. There's not, you know, all of those. We really only have cultivators caravan and mana lith and like traveler's amulet kind of. So, um, so I would say like, if your deck can run them, you should, but, uh, like cultivators caravan is a little much. It's nice that it's a creature you can crew, I guess, but like, I don't think it's necessarily needed outside of three color decks or yeah. Decks. I, yeah. I think Cultivator's Caravan is good, but it's probably not a mon. It's not a probably. It's probably not a card a mono green deck or mono colored deck needs. Right, exactly. Unless you're in like a vehicle strategy or something. Right. Well, and yeah. So and like I've seen I've seen a couple people run Manolith, and honestly, I don't think Manolith is worth running unless you are hard on artifacts. Like, like unless you are like five colors or in artifacts specifically, then like. I don't think Manolith is worth running at all. So in general, I think lands are where you want to go. And like I was saying, red-white, the problem is that, like I was saying, 
the amulet is the only way I really have of fixing. I have a couple double color lands, um, which helps, but past that, there's not really like a lot of card draw or like, you know, green has a couple extra things where they're like, oh, you, these creatures produce mana or you go search for lands out of your library, things like that. So, And I think in red-white, you're kind of of the mind that variance is going to be the determining factor in how your deck plays that game. You're going to need to draw the right assortment of red and white lands to be able to cast your spells on time which is not the greatest feeling but it's also kind of a necessity in those colors but as you were saying there are a few things that you can kind of add to counteract that right yeah well and i mean like at the end of the day it's multiplayer um if you get a bad start you usually won't at least in the play groups that i've played in you won't get hated off the table for being an easy target or anything you usually get a pretty nice chance to like rebound um when everyone else is actually a threat like when other people are actually being threatening they'll usually get targeted instead of you for not doing anything so in general i don't think it's too big a problem i think it's just like in comparison to other colors it's kind of sad because you're sitting there like oh i wish i could play stuff um you usually can come back pretty hard if you if you play your cards right so neat i i really like that deck yeah, no, it's it's fun. I've played it a couple times. Um, I I actually built it right when Dominari came out, so I actually had it put together right around when the pre-release was. Um, and uh, I've played it a lot. I've played it against a variety of different decks. And in general, like I was saying, it's real hit or miss. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, I think if I played more 1v1, I think this could be a really good 1v1 deck because... You have you only have to focus your energies on one other person. You only have to deal twenty points of damage. Like if you can hit your pieces right, then you can probably just slam someone in the face pretty hard. But I like multiplayer more, so whatever. Yeah, and you don't have three other people um, who could draw that singular removal spell for the person or for the creature you're Voltroning. So exactly, probably fare better in one v one, right? Yeah. Um. But yeah. So yeah, that's that's the deck that I um have for today um so do we want to talk about your wizards yes sure so i'm going to be talking about a brawler we actually brought up last week as one of our um brawlers of interest i guess uh she is adelise the cinderwind and she is a human wizard um red blue color identity uh and her big thing is that she pumps wizards um, plus one plus one whenever you cast an instant sorcery spell so she's gonna be the leader of a um, blue red spell slinger deck that also has a wizard tribal sub theme so i'm going to be talking about some of the best wizards from standard that i've put into this deck and also some of the spells that i think are really important to um, staying ahead and winning as a red blue um, brawler so i think first i'll start with the wizards um, and I've just, there's, there's a few that I have in the deck that are probably suboptimal just because I don't have some of the better, better wizards I want for the deck. Um, and I'll talk about those two, the wizards that I need to get for the deck. But first, here are the ones I have. So first we have, um, Firefist Adept, which is a red wizard and its big ability is when it enters the battlefield, it deals damage to target creature equal to the number of wizards you control. So it's, a um, a theme I'm going to be talking about a lot is the wizards you play need to have something besides just being a wizard creature. They also have to have an ability, and this is a good removal spell on a stick. Yeah. Yeah. Then we have... It's pretty good. Yeah, and I think it's an important point. Just vanilla wizards aren't going to cut it in a a, a deck that you want to win 
Just right. because they're wizards don't mean you should run them in your deck, I think. Right. That's and I mean that's like like if we look at say like even comparing to like EDH, you're not gonna run Talarian Scholar in your Anala deck. You're just not going to. A two three that you had to pay a mana for, like like the token copy, I guess, is still not good. <laughs> so like no. like a, very similarly to like an Anala deck, you wanna run wizards that are actually gonna give you value and are actually gonna like you know, do something for you as opposed to like, I mean, it's nice that Adelie's pumps them too, because it means that you can swing with them. But like on top of it, you want something from them. But I'm running time or I'm running, um, Talarian Scholar in this deck just as a filler until I get a better. Right. No, no. I'm, I mean, that's the thing. Oh, I, I think, I'm saying you're right. Yeah. Like Talarian Scholar needs to get out of the deck, but it'll be like one of the first cuts when I get one of the best, better ones. Right. Sure. Sure. So the next one is another one we talked about last week. Get to Chronicler. And it is essentially, you're never casting this for its base cost. You're always casting it for its six mana kicker cost that lets you return an instant or sorcery spell from your graveyard to your hand. So it is, um, I think a comparison we had talked about was a mnemonic wall, which is always a good card. You're recurring instant or sorceries from your graveyard. So this is a card that once you cast your spells, you're going to be able to recur them and play them again, which is great for this deck. Yep. And, and then it we have too, is the more important oh, part. Yeah, like as opposed to mnemonic as, wall. Yeah, as I was saying about all these wizards, they're wizards that can attack getting pumped by Adelies, but they're also, they have abilities that are going to influence the game when you play them. Right. So the next wizard is Merfolk Trickster. It is a um, creature with flash, and its ability is when it enters the battlefield, tap target creature and opponent controls, it loses all abilities until end of turn. So this is a good, like, save your skin card you're playing it to stop a commander from lethaling you. You're pl- playing it to stop a creature that maybe has a good ability that's going to impact the game and impact you um, heavily, stop it from doing it that turn or something like that. So this is just a good um, card to get you out of a sticky situation. Yeah, yeah. And, like, it, and like you know, it turns off, you know, Shalai's Hexproof ability. It turns off Muldrotha's Graveyard ability. It turns off all sorts of stuff, which is really handy, Um in you know in specific situations maybe but like there are brawlers that are just too good like in terms yeah. of being and having really good abilities so we talked about Maldrotha at the beginning of this episode and in that specific case you'd probably want to cast this on that player's upkeep because they're casting their permanent spells during their main phases and well, if Maldrotha is a vanilla creature during yeah, like the rest of their turn they're going to not be able to cast those spells from their graveyard but it's not like they can cast permanent cards in response, because I don't. No, think that's there's... what I'm saying. No, no, but that's what I'm saying. There... Is if you if you cast this Merfolk, Merfolk trickster on their turn, like during a main phase, they can't cast. Permanent but if you response. if you let them enter their main phase, they're going to have priority to cast at least one thing. Right, and no. you probably don't want them to cast anything because Malthus player doesn't deserve to cast anything from their. <laughs> no, I I agree. I'm just saying that I don't think it's necessarily a mistake to move to main phase just because they only get one thing. Like yeah. unless they. I mean, I don't think there's any way of giving anything Flash besides Raph Capuchin, and they can't play that, so thank God. Yeah. <laughs> so the next wizard I want to talk about is Narhu Meha, Master Wizard. She is one of the two other legendary wizards in this deck. Um, she has Flash, and when she enters the battlefield, ETB is an important um, mention because of the next card I'm going to talk about. But anyways, when she enters the battlefield, copy, target, instant or sorcery spell you control, you may choose new targets for the copy. And she's also a wizard anthem, pumping all your other wizards plus one, plus one. So she's a great value, like, engine in this deck, where you're going to be copying your incident and sorcery spells. 
you're going to be pumping your other wizards in addition to the Adelise pump from that spell you just copied. So yeah. she's very good. Well, and it just, I mean, the the only thing I would say is that like I would I could see some trepidation on the fact that she costs four mana, but the fact that Brawl tends to like go long in the games, um, it's not as big a problem because you know four extra mana doesn't actually seem that high when it's turn like twelve and everyone no. has like a bajillion mana. So <laughs> and just. From experience, in our four-player game that I played, Wizards, um, I copied a Sahili's Artistry, which is a six-mana sorcery, so I had ten mana available to cast her and a spell, so you're going to get there. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, they, let, let's just be clear. It did help that that was a game against the Tatiova deck, and all of us were playing blue, and almost all of us had a Tatiova at some point because we were playing blue. So, yeah, but, we were but, controlling yeah. them or copying them, or it was just great. Yes. But yeah, sorry. Sorry to derail. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, so the next wizard, Niban, Dean of Iteration. Um, two mana, My the other legendary creature in the deck, blue wizard. And it's essentially a wizard panharmonicon. Whenever a wizard causes an abil- entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, it triggers an additional time. So all of those wizards I just mentioned have enter the battlefield effects. So if you somehow get the Naban down before you cast one of the wizards I just mentioned, you're going to be doubling that effect. So you're going to be doubling copying a spell. So that would give you three, right? Yeah. yeah. Or you're going to be dealing damage to two creatures with um, the Fire Fist. Or you're going to be getting two per- or spells back from your graveyard. So it's just just adds value to your other wizard ETB effects, which is cool. Then we have Valdalian Arcanist, which is essentially just a uh, mana dork for instant and sorcery spells. And then we have a the only card in this list not from Dominaria, Nimble Obstructionist, which is a uh, 3-1 bird wizard with flash. Um, but the I think the cool thing on this card is it is multifunctional. It also has cycling for three mana. And when you cycle it, you get to counter an activated or triggered ability that you don't control. So it is a good trick for maybe countering a brawler planeswalkers ultimate or countering a brawler with the good activated ability or triggered ability that so i think it's a good combat trick that your opponents might not expect out of you to counter that game-changing ability one of their creatures or planeswalkers might have yeah no definitely especially against planeswalkers that's just rude but you know it's (laughs) it's very very good (laughs) i really like it yeah so so that's the I have. I think there's probably like 12 to 13 wizards in the deck, and then a lot more of it are the blue-red like spells that you're going to want to be running, which I'll talk about now. And I just have a selection of them that I really like. So first is As Foretold. Everybody probably knows about this card because it's quite a commander staple. And every turn it gets a time counter, and then you can cast spells on each turn um, for free if its converted mana cost is equal to or less than the number of time counters on it. So as it ticks up, you're going to start casting bigger spells for free on your turn. And then it's also good because you get to hold up counter spells for free on other players' turn as you get to three and four time counters. So I think it's just a really good addition to this deck where you're going to probably want to be holding up instants and sorceries on other players' turns. It yeah. may be tapping out on your turn. Yeah, I mean, I like I don't have experience with this in Brawl, but I have experience with it in EDH. And like in Red Blue Spellslinger, this is so good because Counterspell this is a two mana card. Unfortunately, we don't have that here, but we do have, you know. Like, I do. Yeah, well, but unfortunately. <laughs> we'll talk about that. It's still a three mana card, technically, because like. Oh, you're right. As we're yep. told, cares about what's printed on it. But yeah, still. Um, but that's the thing is. So like, I guess. Yeah. 
Since we just talked about that, I'll get into that right now. Unless you wanted to say something else about As Foretold. No, I mean, well, talk about these two cards, because these are both cards I would love to cast on other people's turns for free. <laughs> so, yeah, I have the two wizard spells from Dominaria right here. Wizard's Retort and Wizard's Lightning. Wizard's Retort is essentially cancel on the face value, but then if you control a wizard, this becomes counterspell. And then we have Wizard's Lightning, which is essentially a three mana deal three damage to tar- any target, but then it becomes a lightning bolt if you control a wizard. So there's they're just they're spells that are worse if you're not in a wizard themed deck that become some of the best cards in magic if you're playing wizards. So I just um Wizard Retort is a definite run. Wizard's Lightning maybe not a great multiplayer card but i'm running it for the wizard flavor which i like well and i mean honestly it's only one mana if you have a wizard and it might get rid of like their one flying blocker which is important for your deck because you have a lot of flyers so yeah i mean it's especially the commander yeah well it's just because she has haste so you're always going to want to attack with her the turn you play her otherwise you feel like you're losing value right yeah so now i run both of the um legendary sorceries that i can and this is a card type we talked about last episode but i'm running jaya's immolating inferno and i recently got karn's temporal sundering at a um, friday night magic draft event and that is definitely going into the deck so the red one deals x damage up to three targets we've talked about it being a really good finisher um as you're getting to those high mana like mana amounts that you can eventually get to Mm -hmm. in these um extended brawl games and then the karn's temporal sundering um, is a six mana bounce target creature you don't control and then get an extra turn. Editor's note, um, it's actually bounce any non-land permanent and it doesn't have to be restricted to who controls it. So even better, really. So it's just a, an amazing extra turn card for this deck because you're also bouncing probably the best creature on the field and then taking an extra turn. Just really, I think it's good in any blue deck probably yeah the other thing i've seen that used where someone bounces their like and in this deck i think it'd be really good bouncing their own creature um to get extra etb effects so like narumiha can like you know double another spell on your second turn that you get like ooh, that's a good idea yeah so um although my could you copy constant pearl sundering with naru naru I believe so. I don't think there's anything... Because the exile effect doesn't no, happen until resolve, yeah. right? No, yeah, that, that's part of the resolution of the spell. It's Yeah. yeah. So you could. You could do that. Um, it would be really mean and terrible. And if you had Naru, you'd get three extra turns. Okay, new goal. <laughs> if I get that, it's going to be an achievement unlocked. So just to, just to clarify, so with the legendary sorceries, the stipulation, of course, you have to have a planeswalker or a uh, legendary creature. How many legendary creatures and planeswalkers are you running? Um... I think currently four, Commander, two Wizards, and then Jaya. But, I mean, it's not really that important in a Commander format because you're always going to have access to casting your Commander, right? Or Brawler. From the outside perspective, your your Brawler is only a three-drop, so playing those spells is not problematic in any way, shape, or form because you can just probably get her down for, you know, five mana and be able to cast it if if she's been removed once even. So, yeah. It would stink if your um, Brawler was maybe costing upwards of like six extra or eight extra mana because then you'd maybe top deck temporal sundering you'd be like darn it i want to cast it this turn but i'd have to pay 10 for my commander right now and then do it next turn so in that case it's probably not a good top deck late game if your commander's not already out but i think the value it gives you if you can play it is i think worth that risk 
What are the other notable spells that you want to talk about? So I have uh, a little bit more than a few left. We have um, River's Rebuke, which I think is close as close as we're going to get to Cyclonic Rift in uh, Standard right yeah. now. Yeah, I mean, every... It's just a sorcery that returns all Nightland permanents to their owner's hands, but only one target player. So right. one opponent's getting their board wiped. Probably the player you want to be focusing um, that time. Maybe they're ahead and you need to get, like, get knock them down a peg and kind of maybe even just get them out of the game at that point yeah i mean every blue brawl deck is running that card so like yeah doesn't need the explanation <laughs> like, great 1v1 still pretty good in multiplayer yes so next is just a value this is probably one of my favorite cards even in commander i just love casting this card Sahili's artistry and it it essentially creates a t- copy of an artifact and a copy of a creature uh and it becomes an artifact in addition to its other types that is relevant in some decks um we have a funny story about that i probably won't get into it now though um but this is just a value card you're getting two creatures probably or a creature and an artifact um and yeah no it's really good it's just gonna give you value that a spell probably shouldn't give you it's just really good (laughs) yeah i mean again like another one that probably everyone should run in their blue brawl decks like like I used it to get a Tatiova, as Sam was saying. Three players had Tatiovas in our one multiplayer game. So yes. blue decks are doing this type of thing, and it's really good. Yep. Um, next, I have my Planeswalker, Jaya Ballard. Um, she'll add some mana to your mana pool to cast in some sorcery spells. She'll help you filter. She'll also, the big thing you probably want to try and get her to do is ultimate. You get an emblem that essentially gives all your... Um, instance and sorceries in your graveyard flashback for their mana cost. So if you can get her to that ultimate, you're going to start getting a lot of value out of spells you've already cast. So you're going to be, you're going to start probably getting ahead in the game because they're not going to be able to get rid of that emblem. And unless they exile your graveyard, you're going to start, you're going to start wrecking. I think, I think it's really good if you can get her to that ultimate. Yep. Um, talk about the non-bow, <laughs> the, the couple of non-bows I see on this list after that with, emptying your own graveyard uh what do you mean well so oh yeah yeah yeah. well the one thing i have next is i think you're only casting this card if you're if you're running into the you're only casting the second half of this card if you're running into about to deck yourself which almost happened in our four-player game but it's also a really good card on the top half too and it's I, I say half because it's an aftermath card commit to memory everybody probably knows what this card does it's big in standard i think it's probably um big in commander so the top half is essentially not a counter spell but a it's counter magic in that you're putting a card that's either cast or on the battlefield into its owner's library but then the important part i think it's good to have um at least one of these type of effects in your deck so you don't run into the potentially killing yourself by decking yourself um each player shuffles his or her hand and graveyard into their library and draw seven cards so this is this is protection from decking yourself which i think if you're if you're doing well and if you're getting that card advantage and that like value off of maybe doubling spells or that sort of thing you might run into that issue if the game is long enough so i think it's an important you're going to draw this if you're drawing your whole deck you're going to be able to like protect yourself from decking which is good well and i mean just as a note like the, since it's a 60 card format like both of us are edh players really at heart so like for us like the idea of getting decked out like getting milled is very slim 
um, it's kind of a joke for most commander games because having a hundred cards and usually a lot of like recursion value and this type of like, you know, graveyard shuffling back in or whatever. Um, there's a lot more of that in EDH. So it seems silly to think about getting milled, but like we've played some games where you do draw pretty much every card in your deck, especially if you're running blue, um, just cause there's a lot of really good drawing in blue. Um, and then on, on top of that, there's also some other stuff like, I mean, Mostly the offender, I think, here is Tatiova, which will just draw your entire deck. And if you're playing against it in a blue color, you should have one. Like, you should steal it from them. So, yeah. So, I have three left. Um, One of them I'll start with is, I think, probably just a staple in any blue deck, like we mentioned last week. And it is Deep Freeze. And it's essentially, like, think of Imprisoned in the Moon or Song of the Dryads. You're turning a very good creature into a useless thing. And this one turns it into a 0-4 wall with Defender. So I think you compared it to Darksteel Mutation. But it's just it's just an enchantment that essentially um, negates a commander. Because yeah. normally you run into the tuck rule where the commander's destroyed or exiled. It goes to the command zone. Um, but this, this makes it stay on the battlefield as something that doesn't do anything. So it's just a great blue card. Yeah, it's really good. And like on top of it, um, it's harder to kill. That's one of the things I've been noticing recently. Um, mm-hmm. the fact that it's a zero four, it doesn't like, there are a couple cases where it will trade for something really big, but it's like, it's, and honestly, as compared to like EDH, where you might have the ability to sacrifice it, you know, like, you know, Darksteel Mutation, my visceracy, I'm just going to sacrifice it or whatever. But like, with this format, I think there's like two cards that you can use to sacrifice your own creatures, like to pay, to pay for abilities. So like, it's really good, especially against Muldrotha specifically, like turn it, turn it into a wall. <laughs> yeah. And please, everybody else at the table playing against Maldrotha, let it remain a wall. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, second from last, Fight with Fire. We talked about this also last week. So, I think a lot of the cards I'm putting into this deck are pulling from, like, our Brawl Changers. So, I think that's pretty cool. Um, this is Fight with Fire. It five damage at its face, and then it has a kicker cost that... Um, lets you deal 10 damage divided as you choose among any number of targets, so it's a good finisher. And then another thing, just a theme this deck wants is like you want your cards to become more than just one for ones. You want to be able to cast them multiple times. So the Mirari Conjecture, which is a saga from Dominaria, lets you return an instant card um, from your graveyard to your hand in its first chapter. Its second chapter lets you return a sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. And then its last chapter doubles all your spells. So this is just another card that's letting all the spells you've cast before in this game um, start to get more value. So yeah. I think this deck is not winning if you're casting a spell once and it's remaining in your graveyard for the rest of the game. Yeah. Well, and that's, I think, um, do you want to talk about maybe some of the weaknesses of this deck? Like some of the reasons that like, you know, some of the things you have to keep an eye out for when you play it? I think, so I think I'm erring on the side of running less wizards just because it does, the wizard strategy kind of um, breaks against board wipes. So there aren't too many in the format, but our play group is going to be running uh, a lot of the good white ones. And I think we'll run into it a, a, a like high enough amount that I'm not going to be winning with the wizard strategy probably too much. 
It's going to give me a lot of value early game when I'm casting these cheaper wizards in Adelie's and maybe casting some cheaper spells and swinging for maybe anywhere from like 10 to 15 damage divided somehow between players or at a player, maybe probably even less than that. So we're going to be like poking people down in the early game. And then late game, I'm probably not winning with the wizard strategy. So that's where the, I think one of the big weaknesses lies is when my wizards die, I need to start relying on my spells to stay in the game. Right. And yeah, I mean, that's like, so just in some of the games and like, I guess from some of the things we talked about, the problem obviously is that you need to avoid getting run over by say like a green player who their strategy is to just build up to like a really big board by the end of the game um and like unfortunately there's just not a lot in red i i mean maybe like some like hour of devastation or something like running your own board wipes to help kind of Ooh, do that that's but, a good call or but, maybe like yeah. either that or um the the red one that deals 20 and oh star of extinction yeah. yeah that one yeah but also like i that's every player, so that's that's why those red board wipes might be better in multiplayer than Rivers Rebuke. Yeah. Like, in a lot of matchups, this deck is just like, please let me draw Rivers Rebuke, please let me draw Rivers Rebuke <laughs> in 1v1. Right. But in multiplayer, that's only really going to deal with that one player that might be giving you a hard time. Yeah. Whereas I think, I think I might need to actually add one of those two that you just mentioned. I might err on the side of Hour of Devastation just because people in our playgroup are running planeswalker as commander yeah cough cough you <laughs> well i mean but the other thing too is that it also removes indestructible so it'll kill things like kefnet which is good oh um, which is a important lot of those fly around um the yeah the the only problem i i would say with that is that obviously if the deck has a problem with getting its board wiped in that like you, don't you probably don't want to be wiping its own yeah. board <laughs> you all you don't want to do it yourself but i think honestly at the end of the day it might be a little bit better i don't know we'll see anyway um what what are what's another weakness of this of this deck uh i'm i don't think i didn't have anything written oh yeah here we go i did have a written down (laughs) um one of the things i just from experience i i almost won our four player game and i would have if it weren't for that dang counter spell (laughs) so i had um the azor player at seven well i didn't have them the collective effort had the azor player at 17 and you at 10 i believe i think it was the other way around but sure oh yeah when somebody had 17 um life the other person had 10 life so i was gonna jaya's immolating inferno for oh no not 17 somebody had seven and it doesn't matter yeah essentially i needed to cast this huge x spell for lethal and then my like the spell I just sank, maybe fifteen mana into got countered with negate. Yeah. So I really, I really need that spell to resolve to win, and then the counter spell just ruined my plan. But it it worked out to like I had exactly the amount of mana I needed to kill both of you if one of my spells didn't counter, which is kind of why I was clinging to the amount of life because I think it just adds to the story. But yeah, essentially I had exact mana. I would have killed them both if it weren't for that dang counter spell. Yeah, which I mean, at the end of the day, I I've, I've been told I wouldn't know. I don't run these types of decks, <laughs> but I've been told that the answer to that is to run more counter spells of your own. Um, but I mean sometimes it just doesn't happen so okay um, mr tabor and lumia player (laughs) 
<laughs> but yeah, so let's let's kind of wrap this up. Um, I think that was a pretty cool exploration of two of the decks that we built, especially now, like you know two of the uncommon Dominaria legends, which is crazy um, because they're both really good and shouldn't really be uncommon. But I'm not complaining. Um, but so uh, like I was saying, after the Tiana deck, um, we're gonna put those deck lists online. We'll, we'll have it with this. Um, We'll have it in the show description, the show notes, um, and you should be able to find it there. Um, and I'm sure we can tweet them out too. That's fine. Um, let's finish up the week. Let's talk about gameplay. So um, I keep track of the brawl games that we play, um, just you know for kicks, um, mostly to see how things go, things like that. Um, so over this past week, um, I kept track. So we we had a couple games last Monday um, that were three-player. I don't really get into those too much, except for the fact that we did discover that Sahili's Artistry, making something into an artifact, is very good, it turns out. Um, since that does let me get a copy of Shalai, the creature that makes all your creatures have hexproof, turn it into an artifact, and then cast Padim to give that thing hexproof so that way everything on my field has hexproof when I'm playing an artifact deck. Um, and that was just a crazy fun interaction that you're going to see in these brawl games, which I, I, even though it was like, it essentially made me and the other player in this three player game scoop. I was just so impressed that something like that happened. And I was just in awe. It's like, okay, you win. And it's really awesome. Yeah. I, I that's my Tezzer at the schemer deck. And I'll talk about that on a future episode for sure. Cause I really like it. Um, I'm the, the, I don't, well, I know. <laughs> it's, it's way too good. <laughs> the fun part is that like it's blue, black artifacts, i'll get into it but like i'm not running the fun like the good like game ending spells unfortunately i'm running a lot of grindy stuff so it makes the game go very long it makes sure that i have an explosive turn in multiplayer i can't really win with but it's fine um speaking of we had a couple we had a game that kind of went that way um uh, tezzeret shalai garna azor game um where uh i tried to go off and couldn't take out three people at once so then i got little i got uh cut out there after that turn but you know that happens um we we've already talked a lot about the jace adelie's tachova azor game the four blue <laughs> commanders where uh me you and the tachova player all ended up with copies of tachova at some point or another because we really like her um and then uh we had a three-player tachova tezzeret adelie's and then me and you played a couple one-on-ones with uh tezzeret uh, tezzeret and adelie's with the new 20 life so um yeah i mean uh was there anything in those games that stood out to you you think we should talk about bring up i thought wizards felt really good in one we've won especially with the new 20 life rule Mm -hmm. so if you're playing competitively competitively on mtgo i might i might take a peek at this type of deck I think you're gonna, there's plenty of cheap wizards you can play. There's plenty of cheap, like, you're probably not gonna be running the big spells, like the Infernos and the Sahili's Artistries. You're gonna be running, like, the one or two mana combat tricks when you're gonna be more of an aggro strategy, I think, in a 1v1 format. But I thought, I actually liked 1v1 at 20 life. It made for quick games, quick fun games. Yeah, I was gonna say, though, I, I'm not gonna do that because I can't run Baral anymore, so. I, I know who you're taking a dig at. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's yeah. Um, the the thing that I noticed, um, the so we I I don't know if we brought it up or not, but uh, we had in the uh four blue deck game with the Tachova silliness. The Tachova player played Slinvoda like six times. Um, that's a really good card for Brawl, huh? 
<laughs> I need it, to add it to my merfolk deck. Yes. Um, well, so that's... Because merfolk is one of the creature types. It doesn't bounce. Yeah, that's the thing. is If you sink 10 mana into Slinvoda, he bounces a, a host of... He, he bounces everything except for... He or for she. It. Good point. Yeah, I, I don't have know. no idea about the gender of Slinvoda. Um, uh, so Slinvoda, when it enters the battlefield, does return everything to its owner's hands, Except for specific creature types, I think the only problem for Brawl is that one of those types is Merfolk, and we're yeah. going to see Kumena and Tishana decks running around for at least until next rotation. Not not this fall, but like a year from now. So um, I don't know how good it... Like, it's still really good, though, especially against anyone that's not playing Merfolk. So. Think of Whelming Wave, but with the added creature type Merfolk, just because it's all those, like, Krakens, Leviathans, and that type of stuff. That isn't a... Com- I think it's good because they're not common creature types in um, Magic, but there are some cases where it would be relevant. Um, Yeah, that's about it. I mean... Azor white blue control is good. I, mean, I think nobody's surprised by that though. No, and I. <laughs> so I, we have one player in our group that builds like best optimal deck. So we're probably always um, focusing his decks down. And I think he gets a little. He's very political, and he'll get um, upset with us for doing so. But I also think he understands that these decks he's built are really good. So yeah. I think there's always going to be that dynamic, and we might talk about that kind of politics of brawl in a later episode. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, as long as he doesn't turn into Teferi, um, I think I'll be okay, but he probably will at some point, and at that point, it's game on, because I'm going to murder All bets are off. (laughs) Um, But no, so yeah, I mean, that's generally, um, uh, I think that's everything that we had for this episode. Um, Sorry about it being late. Um, Unfortunately, we had some internet problems, and um, we live together, so we don't like if we are both suffering from internet problems, we really can't do anything. Um, but it just made editing take some more time. So, yeah, yeah. But I think we were excited to get into this and talk about these decks. So probably yeah. won't be talking about specific decks next week. Uh, but we'd love to hear from you guys with maybe some episode type ideas. We have a few more in our belts, but we're gonna get to that point where, like, as we're getting towards the end of Dominaria, like maybe they're something you guys want to hear us talk about so that would be really cool yeah and if they if they wanted to tell us those things how would they do that they would you probably add us on twitter or use our email address if you want to let them know what those are oh okay yeah so i, I was hoping you that that was a segue <laughs> that was gonna let you i know it. but okay. you, you know them know. and i don't know them that well <laughs> okay so the the twitter our handle is at all out brawl mtg and uh, our email is alloutbrawlmtg at gmail.com. Um, we also have a Facebook page. Uh, my Instagram is at Lerretoto, so L-E-R-E-T-T-O-T-O. Um, and it's the same on Twitter. And I'll be retweeting a lot of our All Out Brawl account stuff. So you can probably find me pretty easily if you follow our All Out Brawl Twitter um, account. So... I just, I play a lot of magic and I like to show people and tell people about my magic experiences. So yeah, and you get to see you, that sort of stuff. If you're interested in MTG Arena or MTGO, um, you can also watch Chris play at twitch.tv slash Rototo, which is R-E-T-T-O-T-O. Um, you didn't have to say that. I wasn't going to plug my Twitch channel. No, that's why I did it for you. Um, cool. I don't really have anything because I... I mean, I do other podcasts, but they're not related to this at all. Um, And if you found this one, then you can probably find the other ones pretty easily. And I'm not going to name them here. Anyway, 
that's everything for this week i think um yeah thank you guys who have listened for listening our intro and outro music right now is mole's welcome to video game island which we found using the um uh free music archive online um so thank you to them and i think that's oh well and our our cover art was done by uh creative bun um you can awkward find... bun oh sorry awkward bun she does creative things but you can find her on twitch twitch.tv slash awkward bun i think um so that information will all be in the show notes too anyway next time we'll be back we'll be talking about something related to brawl don't know what it is yet but we'll be there. it'll be good though i know that much yeah okay um until next time i've been sam and i have been chris and this is and this been has been all, all out, out brawl baba da boo boo Ha 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 ha